That's Incredible will not be seen tonight due to the following ABC special movie presentation. But it will return next week at its regular time with more incredible stories. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're sparkling officers. Now start acting like it. Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Hello and welcome to Listen to The Prophets. I'm Paul Spataro, and I am joined by Dr. Bill Robinson. I, uh, what? Nope. <laughs> I almost used my opening line that I was going to use for two episodes from now, so I won't use that. <laughs> <laughs> Bill is living in the future, as you can tell. We have Sir Andrew Leyland. Hello. And Mr. David Pescarella. How's it going? We're here today to look at uh, what we left behind. The uh, Listen to the Prophets documentary uh, that is now widely available. The Listen to the Prophets documentary. They made a documentary about <laughs> us. Yes. <laughs> Isn't it? I, I can't imagine that that's uh, a fascinating yeah, two hours. That, 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 that's amazing. They must have cut all our footage out because I don't remember seeing myself. That wasn't you in, with the blue beard? The, no, 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 no. I was the creepy guy with the sneakers that uh, has a gull in his name. I thought, I thought you were the creepy guy who sang the opening song. <laughs> <laughs> He's creepier without makeup than he is with oh, it. Oh, my God. I was, mm. It took me a while to figure out who he was. I did not figure out until the closing credits when they do another song and it's a group of them and I was like, oh, that's who that is. Uh, I liked Andy Robinson's introduction. That was funny. Uh, I guess give overall thoughts first and then we could talk about some specifics about it. I thought it was enjoyable. I, I you know, I, I definitely got a kick out of seeing, you know, where these people are today. Uh, there was the one big feature of it that they kept going back to that I loved. Uh, but the eighth it, it, season? It, yes. It was not as comprehensive of a documentary as I anticipated. The way they made such a big deal about the fact that they were making it, I kind of anticipated something a little bit more... uh, I expected it to go a little bit more into the mythology of the show, which it did not. Uh, I expected it to go a little bit more into where everybody is now and what they're doing, which it did not. Uh, Basically, it kind of just hit each character, a little bit about their interactions with with each other, and a little bit of what they thought of the character that they played. Uh, and it was fun. I enjoyed watching it. I just think I think it could have been another hour and a half long and I would have enjoyed it even more. Well, I'm sure they had a lot of that. They just had to decide how to put that together. I'm, I haven't seen the bonus features, so I don't know if maybe there's more in that. But I thought it was nice how it did focus more on the characters because we can all go look up on Google exactly what each person's doing now if we really want to. I mean, this was more... You know, it was more for the show than 
I mean, I thought it was kind of a, about the mythology of the show. I, I, I don't know. Maybe we got a different. Uh, we'll discuss that as we go. And I, let me I, make it just clear because I don't want to mis- You know, I don't want to take a chance on misrepresenting something. I really enjoyed watching it. It's not. I'm oh, not yeah. sitting here saying I didn't enjoy it. Okay, we can move on to Andy and Dave. <laughs> Uh, I agree with you. I, I didn't think it was long enough. I could have watched it for another two hours. I would love them to re-edit it as like a six or eight part series and throw it on Amazon or Netflix or CBS or Action or whatever the f- streaming service there are available anymore. Uh, and let's see all that extra footage back in the show, back in context. Because the end credits is essentially Iris Stephen Burr and Nana Visitor discussing all the stuff that they cut out. Mm-hmm. So I would have loved to have seen all of that. So I mean, maybe down the line after they've sold it on DVD, they can re-edit it as a as a series rather than just a two-hour documentary. Because there was an awful lot of stuff they didn't get to. Like they barely mentioned Louise Fletcher, who didn't seem to be interviewed. Is she no longer no. with us? I think she is. I don't right. think she's. I don't think she's pissed. I, I'll look she's, her up. She seemed to be the big omission in terms of getting all the cast back to talk to them. They didn't talk about Kai Wynn at all. I'm going I'm I'm to say that I think that they probably had a very limited time with Avery Brooks. He, yes. He did not see... He was not... He was not present very much, and when he was, he was he was kind of out there. <laughs> but we'll get into him a little bit more later. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Well, Louise Fletcher is alive. She's 85, so I haven't mm-hmm. dug much deeper than that. Just seeing that on the internet. So she maybe she just wasn't up for participating. But it seemed a bit odd that they didn't even touch upon Kai Wynn at all. I thought that was a very strange omission. They said they had entire sections devoted to In the Pale Moonlight, Trials and Tribulations, Duet, that they had to cut out because they didn't have the time for them. Uh, I want to see all that footage incorporated back into the show. And let's see an entire episode of a, an eight or six part streaming documentary essentially like the toys that made us on netflix i don't know if anyone's ever watched that mm. do that put it all back do an episode about trials and tribulations if they've got the footage do it i'd like to see all that but overall i did really enjoy it and i do like that they all genuinely seem to like each other possibly except none of his from mark alamo <laughs> oh yeah that, that was a great scene <laughs> um but other than that everyone seems to get along and they all seem really quite entertaining as people. I mean, it was interesting to note the interviews. Alexander Siddig and Colmini were never in the same room as all the others. So I can only assume all the big group interviews were done at the Las Vegas convention that they were at, that Colmini and Alexander Siddig weren't at. Oh, Yeah, I would think so, because there, there was no indication or feeling that there was any animosity between them like you said maybe if anything a little and then a visitor and and uh, a certain uh Cardassian, uh <laughs> person of, of note well i think the interesting thing with mark alamo did you not think he takes himself very seriously as an actor oh, yes. oh clearly <laughs> i don't think you guys get i love how he he said i don't think you guys you know, gave me enough time, or you know, Davy, that you didn't like me, and then and then they cut to like every single episode he appeared in, and they're like, yeah. they're like if we didn't like you, we wouldn't have kept bringing you back. I mean, he he had a really <laughs> big role on the series. Early on, it took a little while for him to find the screen time. I think you know, early on, but I think that was him earning the screen time that he got later. You know, he wasn't originally meant to be as big a character as he was, and I think that's what they said to him. You, you know, we liked you because we kept bringing you back. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, Dev, what did you think? 
it, it clearly should have been called Gulls of Cots Deep Space Nine, but that's neither here nor there. I really, I would love to see season eight, even if it's just a, a reunion movie. Or, or, or just, you know, the, as they kind of did with the uh, the shots that they showed, you can animate it if you have to. Yeah, that would be acceptable. The plot line really seemed interesting where they were going. I'd like to see more. You know, I'd it, like to, I'd like to see a spin-off series. Uh, uh, Gold uh, you can get anything you want in Gold restaurant, except maybe Kira. He <laughs> <laughs> was. I mean, we we did for anybody listening. We did send some PMs back and forth about how creepy he was. <laughs> And I hadn't watched it at the point when those messages were going on, but then as I was watching it, I was my first thought was, "Oh no, he's fine." And then the conversation got a little deeper, and I was like, "Oh my god, no, he's creepy." <laughs> you, you know what it reminded me of? You know, when someone gets older and they feel they can just say what they want and get away with it. Mm. <laughs> oh, you're very beautiful. You know that? Come sit on my lap. <laughs> I'm old. I can say what I want. <laughs> I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> But I know yeah. exactly what's going on in the room. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, the season eight stuff was better than anything that Star Trek has produced since Voyager <laughs> went off the earth. Yeah. Oh my god. I, I the agree. whole. Uh, I mean, considering the episodes are at now, and they're saying Bashir is in section thirty-one. Oh, like, that was what? so good. Oh my god. It was such a great idea to have him now. He was. I don't think he was in section thirty-one. I think he was running it. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that's so cool. That's you know after he was the. Uh, you know the voice of of reason uh, against the whole area thirty uh, or section thirty one thing. Yeah, because rewatching that episode now, Inquisition, and after, but seeing the documentary puts that whole episode in a new light and watching it differently, going, hmm, yeah, hmm, hmm. Not that that was their thought, but it's just like now I view it much differently. But we can discuss that. In another episode. Yeah, that that will be in the episode about Inquisition, which uh, I'm not sure when that's getting recorded. When that will air. That will probably, yeah, who knows. I, you know, I would love the series, as you said, Andy, like, you know, the series of documentaries, and I would be eating it up, as would all of us. I just don't know, you know, outside of us and, you know, a couple of our listeners, I'm not sure if they have enough people that it would make it worth their while to do that. I think yeah. so. I mean, look at the other, I mean, stuff they're putting out. Yeah, if you think about it, the the footage is already there. So all essentially it would cost them is to re-edit it. It looks like Iris Stephen Burr would be willing to do something like that for free. And then it's just a case of throwing out footage you've already got onto a streaming service that already exists. I can't imagine it would cost an awful lot of money. No, you're probably right. But I just would you say I, make I, it make it an animated show, maybe. Oh no, that's that's oh, no, what they did about, season eight. We're on about restructuring the actual documentary so they include oh, all the oh, 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 that comes out. Yeah. No, right. season eight would cost some money to make, even animated. I mean, you 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 know they do, they just showed us storyboards, which was fine from the perspective we got it. But if you're actually trying to do the story and have the characters you know come to life a little bit, they'd have to spend the money to animate it, which I'm sure is mm. not cheap. Well, mm, yeah. I, I I can't understand people at CBS all action or Viacom, whoever the hell owns anything anymore, not looking at that and going, wait a minute, this is better than anything we've got in production right now. Here you go, 13 episodes, go for your life. That... They, they don't see it as better. You yeah, know? but it, 
it has something to do. I, I keep hearing, I've seen some videos, and I haven't do- dove into it because, quite frankly, I just don't have the time or inclination anymore. About uh, there's a certain percentage of things they have to change to get around copyrights, or maybe I'm misunderstanding it. Which is well, that's, you know, that's what that was thingy or, or recently announced was that they're merging back together. Ah, so that, that okay. shouldn't be an issue anymore. Viacom oh, okay. and CBS are merging back into one. Mm. And if that's the case, all these rights restrictions are out the way, unless J.J. Abrams' you know ironclad contract for Bad Robot is still in place. I don't know anything about that, mm. but it just seemed to me that that what they that group of writers pitched was just so good, and just let them do it. Bring back Nog, sons yeah. of bitches. Yeah, well, that did, the, the actor <laughs> that who plays Nog, when he found out what happened, he did his fake stump out of the room. You killed Nog! You can't kill Nog! <laughs> and I love, <laughs> I love Gareth. <laughs> I love Andy Robinson saying, Worf, Worf is who you should have killed. <laughs> <laughs> so all of that was nice. I, I think I was a little bit shocked by how old some of them are now, because we're watching it to do this. You forget that it's, what, 25 years ago? Yeah. So I was I was quite surprised by how old some of them looked, and then how little some of them have changed. Terry Farrell doesn't seem to have aged much at all. Certainly not twenty five years. No. Well, she was. She said she when they first started, she was twenty seven. So she's Nicole Bear is not not well. I mean, she was in the last season, but she you know still. Well, the thing the thing with Nicole De Boer, I, I she was recently at London Film and Comic Con, and I got to see her, and she's actually stunningly beautiful in real life. That documentary didn't do her justice. Mm. That's a, I I don't know. If, I was going to say that's interesting, but I don't know if interesting is the right word. Uh, but uh, she she seemed you know very willing to discuss things and uh, mm. uh, she did she did look every night and main, mainly because of the short hair that she had when she was on the series and now she's grown her hair out. Uh, she she I thought uh, she looked fairly young considering she's got to be in her probably mid forties about now or mid to mm. late forties. Yeah, and it, it's like Alexander Siddig hasn't aged or has aged very well. Let's be the only thing way. he's got that makes him look older is that his beard is grey. If he if he did just for men, he you wouldn't even notice <laughs> that he's aged. Mm. She's forty eight. This same. So, but uh, I mean, Rene Aubergeois looked every year, uh, uh, you know, old older. Um, yeah, and it's it's a shame, but it does happen to all of us. I think yeah. it was more of a, a shock for me because we're watching them every week now to do this and you suddenly like a snapped into the present like christopher reeve in somewhere in time you're like suddenly snapped into the oh yeah god this was 25 years ago okay and i think i think it, it's a testament to deep space nine generally that i don't think that it's that old it doesn't look that old when we're watching it the uh the thing i'm going to tell you i'm disappointed with you gentlemen right now is that uh if if one of you had been doing the intros in this episode when you got to me i was going to say slalom so I'm a little disappointed that you didn't pick up on the Avery Brooks commentary. <laughs> that, that's that's the way he would speak to the other actors. He would just like oh, roll yeah. a word out to them. <laughs> yeah, Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks seems um. He's definitely difficult. strange. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he's not strange in the way Marco Lemo is, where where you'd be creeped out by him. He's strange that you'd you'd get into a whole conversation with him for half an hour and you'd walk away scratching your head, not knowing a thing that was said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he's strange in in a very interesting way. And they described him as like a jazz musician, the way he speaks. 
Yeah, well, like when um, the, there's there's an entire scene with the script editor saying that I had to work with him when he was a director, and he's very internal, and I actually got to go and bollock him, and um, it's just it's just hysterical to imagine this tiny little woman bollocking Commander Cisco to say, "Look, you need to give me something to work with. I don't know what you want." What was what was the word he? Because slalom was one of the things. What was the other thing he said? Well, was it glide? Glide. Yes. That's it. <laughs> that was his commentary to one of the other actors that was having trouble with his role. I think, uh, was it Jeffrey Coombs? May have been Jeffrey Coombs, yeah. He was having some trouble getting his lines out, or he was, you know, not, not giving them quite the way he wanted to. And he goes over and just says, glide, and walks away. <laughs> and that, that's, that's it. That's how you're going to direct me. I think and that's hilarious. It was interesting as well to watch it and see that they must have had a lot of different interviews with people like Nana Visitor, because every clip of her, she's wearing different clothes, but they must have only had one sit-down with Colmini, because that was the only footage they had of him. Although Colmini's probably the big, big, sorry, the busiest of all of them, isn't he? He's got another TV series on the go at the minute, I think. Does he? I didn't even realise. So he's, he's probably the hardest one to lock down. So, uh, any... Interesting revelations. Anything that you saw and you were like, oh, wow, that's, you know, I didn't know that. I think was, the only thing that they talked about that was a revelation was the reason behind Terry Farrell's departure. And it's well, you, interesting that even in the documentary, she didn't mention the executive who said that to her. Apparently, it was Rick Berman, allegedly. Yeah, that's, I mean, she was, cl- she clearly felt uh, unappreciated. Let's... I think we could say it that way. But I think it's important to point out she didn't feel unappreciated in the same way that Mark Alamo did. Mark Alamo's no. validate me, validate me. Terry Farrell clearly felt that seven years, six years I've committed to this show and now you're telling me if I didn't have this job I'd be working in Burger King. That I think that would piss any of us off, not just Terry Farrell. That's and true. I think it, it clearly still bugged her because she actually said in the thing, I didn't want to leave, but I felt once he'd said that to me, it was kind of like, I don't really have a choice now. And thankfully, she walked straight into another six-year gig, so good on her. Yeah, I think, you know, from a a financial perspective, or from a career perspective, she didn't do herself any harm at all by by leaving when she did. Um, From a show point of view, as much as I thought Nicole DeBoer was a winning actress and and pleasant and and enjoyable, I would have liked to have seen Jadzia in the last season. Yeah, I think... I think especially seeing as we haven't actually got to it yet, but when we get to what we leave behind, Jadzia isn't even in the flashbacks. I'm thinking that... there were some hard feelings with some people, maybe. Mm, well, based on she was clearly still upset about it, and it, it seemed like it, you had the entire writing staff saying, what do you mean Terry's not coming back? So it's like they weren't privy to what was going on. So for them to actually well, go, all right, okay, she's not coming back, we've got to cast, recast Dax. And it seemed like it was one of those situations where the writers did the best they could with what they did, and at least with Nicole DeBoer, they gave her a good character, and they gave her a good character arc. And I think she's she's actually landed on her feet, if you think about it. She's got the advantage of having been in Star Trek, so she can go to conventions and make her money that way. But she's also got the advantage that she was only in it a year, so she's not typecast. People probably don't even remember she was in Star Trek. Yeah, because she had a longer a longer role in um, Dead Zone. 
Yeah, she's currently in private eyes with Jason Priestley and, and William Shatner's about to crop up as well in that. What? Really? Oh. Yeah. He what, plays a private really... detective. She, well, what is she doing? Is she just like... She's a police detective that they occasionally oh. liaise with. I don't watch it every week, but when I do watch yeah. it, I quite enjoy it. My, and when you say she's in does. private eyes, all I can do is hear Hall and Oates in my head. It is That's the theme. It's the opening, it's the opening, it is the opening theme. theme. That yes, is the opening theme, yeah. But is, it, I, is it theirs I, or is it a bad no, reproduction of it? It's, it's a bad cover version. Because my wife was singing it one night, and I was like, why are you singing Private Eyes? She's like, well, it's it's in the show. I'm like, it's actually in the Private Eyes show? So the next time it was on, I, 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 it, I almost didn't recognize it at first because it's kind of slower, a little like it's 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 not the same but then you're like oh okay there it is i hear it yeah all right i prefer the veronica mars version to be honest mm, i don't think i remember veronica mars i'm watching you <laughs> that sounds like marco lemo should sing it <laughs> <laughs> marco lemo is watching you he secures every move oh, you know i i have to comment and this is uh kind of repeating a comment from Andy uh, yeah. in, our, in our private in our private messaging. Oh, we, wait. T- we talked about how much older everybody looked. Bobby Darren doesn't look like he aged a day in oh, 25 no. years. He is a hologram. He yeah, I said that. No, yeah, the guy is 85 years old. He looks fantastic. He does. He I, does. I, I want to look looks... that good when I'm 65, let alone 85. If, if you asked just... me to place him age-wise, I would have said it in his early 60s from the way he appears. Yeah, it's only it's only the knowledge that he was in the time tunnel that you're like, wait a minute, that was 1968. How old is this guy? He was, he was on he, he was really on the Flintstones. Through a time tunnel. He was on the Flintstones. Right. Yeah. So it's you know. Forget, yeah, he looks he, fantastic. Don't forget T.J. Hooker too. Well, well that's in the 70s. T.J. Hooker. But I, I, I you know, now, I think there is no greater uh, compliment to you as a star. Uh, but to be, you know, in animated form and have them call you Bobby Darrock. Isn't he Jimmy Darren? Jimmy Darren. Excuse me. I call him Bobby Darren was the Beyond the Sea singer or Mac the Knife. My mistake. Different, they, unrelated uh, actor. Do you think they kind of aged him up when he was like? I don't remember what he looked like when Deep Space Nine. Like, did he look like that, or did they make him look older in Deep Space Nine? The only thing in Deep Space no. Nine is his hair was whiter than it is now. So he, either they whited his hair for the episode, or they, or he's darkening it up now. Because oh. it, mm-hmm. now it's now it almost looks like a little bit of salt and pepper look, whereas it was pretty clearly white in the uh, in in D- DS9. But I mean, as far as like wrinkles and things like that, he hasn't changed at all. Mm. He looks he actually looks a little thinner now. Well, yeah, he did. He did look a bit thinner. Yeah. Well, what about Net? So Nana Visitor is her hair just is it just gray and she just let it go or yeah that's what I thought. Or it, I thought she, she just decided that she doesn't want to dye it. Uh, she doesn't want to dye it to make it dark at this point in her life, and mm. she's sixty two, mm. I think. I, wow, she looks good for sixty two. <laughs> you could leave off for sixty two. That was Dave Ducat, everyone. <laughs> she just I, looks I, good. I, the thing I, I liked about Nana Visitor was she seems she seems so vibrant. Mm-hmm. Even now, so and so what's his name? So engaged in what they were doing. That little bit at the end, there's a lovely little end credit sequence where she basically comes on and berates Iris Stephen Burr for all the stuff that was cut out, and she's just having so much fun taking the piss out of what is ostensibly her boss. <laughs> it's just like, but what about the greatest Deep Space Nine moment oh, ever? How could you forget that? Yeah, and then they should have clipped from Move Along Home. <laughs> oh, my brain. 
the only interviewer I actually could have done without was Iris Stephen Burr has a, a one-on-one chat with a, a head of the network or a head of Paramount or whatever, and he's every bit the permatanned, slimy, don't the, trust the dude with the sweater says. tied around his yeah. neck. Yeah, he's every bit that Hollywood douchebag you don't trust anything that he says. Because they actually flat out ask him, I think, it's it's about every Brooks shave in his head, and he dodges the question. And then they flat out ask about Terry Farrell, and he dodges the question. And I, I could have done without him. Because everyone else seems like they're being perfectly above board and completely honest about what's going on. And they even mentioned her marriage to Alexander Siddig, which I didn't think would get any airtime at all. Although they both seem to be on good terms, let's let's say that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he was the only one I could have done without. Because I was like, he's, he's just there to tell the studio line. Even Rick Berman seemed like he was being open and honest about stuff. I mean, obviously he doesn't care now because he's not being paid by the studio anymore. Mm. The studio is probably like, you want to do this project, you're going to interview Joe Blow. Yeah, probably. But uh, I, th- I felt he was the only one that didn't really contribute anything of interest. Those people never do. <laughs> anything else in particular jump out to you guys? Uh, did you like the performance songs? The first one honestly left me a little cold. The closing one I thought was great. Yeah. Oh, which was who, Quark. Yeah, yeah, with her. Who was that? That was Quark. Du- no, not Ducat. It was Damar. Damar, who who seems... I think it's worth mentioning him. He seems to just love being involved in this. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he just Casey seems like Biggs. a good laugh. Yeah, he seems like a good laugh. And it was Jeffrey Coombs was there. Yeah, it was, it was the four and of them. And, and Rob. Was it Rob? Yeah. Rob. Yes. Who, yeah. Rob does the opening song, and I, like I said, I had no idea it was him. I just thought it was some random guy that they had doing this opening song, and it was like, eh, I could do without that. <laughs> I, I did like the idea that they, they were going to have it that um, O'Brien and Keiko's daughter was now in Starfleet, and it was her that was going to provoke the mission that basically said, No, I've known Nog for the past 20 years, he's been my commanding officer. Something was wrong when they're all trying to sweep it under the carpet. And um, they could get Hannah Hatte back. She 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 seems like she's... Um, what would she be, about 20 now? 25? So they oh, could she, bring her she back. Has, she, if the show went off 25 years ago, she's got to be close to 30. Mm. She was she was and, just uh, you know, a very young girl. But if she's... I don't even know if she actively acts anymore. Right. But it was nice to see her anyway. And um, Cyric Lofton? Yeah, it was interesting, the... Um um, relationship. I didn't realize he had such a close relationship with, uh, I almost said Ben Cisco, Avery Brooks, <laughs> uh, that, you know, he actually said that he would introduce him as his son. Mm. And they're still close today. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he said that they, like, they went to uh, a Lakers game mm-hmm. and it was him, Avery Brooks, and Avery Brooks' real son. And he was introducing them to people like Jerry Buss, who was the owner of the Lakers, and saying, These are my sons. Which is kind of cool, but I mean, I you know, I I, <laughs> I don't know. That would bother me if I was his real father. Well, well, what? Well, mean, it depends think... on how close the two boys were. If they if they were at that point almost like brothers, then I don't think the kid would be insulted by it. I I always joke around. My my son's best friend, who he's been best friend since preschool. I, I always joke around that I call him the son I never had, just to insult my son. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I, I, I was thinking more about uh, Jake's real father oh. having his nose out of joint. Yeah, I, oh. I, 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 could, I guess it depends on his level of security. You know, if you're secure in your own relationship with your kids, you probably don't mind. But if you've, you know, 
people have insecurities. It's a normal thing. So if if there is any insecurity, then I could see where it would bother you. What did you think about the way they brought Cisco back? You know what I, I thought? If you filmed this live, you know, again, not animating it, if you got the cast together and you said, hey, everybody, we want to we want to do this, aren't you going to bring Cisco out, in theory, at the same age he was when he went in? Yeah, I was thinking that too. Well, that's the way. That's where they made him look in the um, in the animation. Yeah, the storyboards that they were showing. Yeah. it looked like it was Cisco of which the same they could era. De- they could de-ageify him. Well, but if you were trying to do this as a series, if you know, if you seriously wanted to do this and you got all the actors on board, well, they could the probably... cost of de-aging him might no, be no, no, no. It would be easy, easy fix. Easy fix. See, this is before I tell you what my easy fix is. This is what the. One of the things that really interests me, you know how some some of the episodes we spitball and come up with ideas and we rewrite the episodes ourselves while we're talking and watching them, how they do their craft was like, wow, that is cool because that's kind of like what we do sometimes. Not that I'm, you know, we're going to be writers and everything, but, but it was just like, that's really cool the way they lay that out. It's like, you know, that's the same thing we do, just spitball ideas and no, 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 let's change that. No, we should have done it this way or we, we should write that. So... But anyway, all they would ha- have to do is he would come back young, and then he would they could just do it offline, saying, you know, well, let me change my appearance so it's not so drastic from, you know, so that I'm more what you would picture me to be. You know, there could be some bullshit excuse, and then boom, bang, you don't have to spend well, all that money. His, to- I, I don't think I think you're on to something there, but I don't think you want him to be so all powerful that he could say, "Look how how different I appear to you." He's been in with the prophets. He has knowledge. He's been doing whatever but i don't think he you know he didn't become a prophet i don't think he has that ability so what i'm going to think is i don't know about that i'm going to think is is they say something about you have an age that no actually you don't even comment that you can have him out you're de-aging him and he comes out at the end of episode one of of the season that was the way they end it that's the cliffhanger so episode Mm -hmm. two you you de-age him through about a third of the episode but at some point he goes back in with the prophets and when he comes out he's normally aged Mm. And and there's really you don't even have to really give any deep explanation for it. It's just that time is different there. And when they ask what it was like in the celestial temple, he goes, "It's bigger on the inside." <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he's. They ask him what it's like inside the celestial temple, and he says, "Slalom, slalom." <laughs> I had to glide, glide. <laughs> I, I had to glide. He almost seems like when when you see William Shatner, it's pretty clear he, you know, he wants you to think of him as Captain Kirk. And I think I think to some extent that uh, you know, we have the same situation with Picard and Janeway. But I I just think that that for Avery Brooks, like he may not even remember that he was Cisco at this point. He's I, just I his mind Avery is in a different is a million different I, places. I think Avery Prophet has become uh, Avery Prophet. <laughs> Avery Brooks has become more of a prophet. <laughs> you know, with the Clyde Slalom, I'm non-linear baby. Yeah, I'm a jazz musician. I don't think I would have any real ability. I'm rubbing as an my actor. hands together like I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah. I don't think I'd have any real ability as an actor, but I think if I was, I would be intimidated by doing a scene with him, much like Terry Farrell said she was when she first started <laughs> to do it. She's and and to his credit, she told him she was intimidated by him, and he toned down his performance a little bit to make her more comfortable. So I mean, it's it's not that he seems in any way to be a bad guy. 
he just seems to be a different kind of guy. Different kind of cat, if you will. <laughs> He's on another plane. Yeah. It, it's... <laughs> I don't know. I just he's I, a prophet. Yeah, he's, he's he's an interesting fella. So, any other thoughts? No. If if you haven't seen it, go and and check it out. I don't know if it's only available on Blu-ray or DVD. I think you can rent it through Amazon Prime. I don't think you can watch it for free yet. I don't but, think it's uh, streaming with any particular service yet. But it's it's worth watching. It's yeah. fun even if you're not a big fan of Deep Space Nine and just like Star Trek, so you can sit and disagree with everything they say. Yeah, they started to, and I guess that was really just Iris Stephen Bear that did it, but he talked about how this is different from every other Star Trek series, and that that's kind of their legacy, and and I agree with that. I think that is that is one of the things that makes it... Well, yeah, because they were the doing, they, and they had to fight for it to do the, the serialized storytelling, which now all shows are doing that. They were way ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which he was saying that's why it's gained such such a renaissance now with streaming services because it's so bingeable. Yeah. I, I tell you, as we do our show, to some extent, sometimes it's hard for me not to binge. And I know I know Bill has fallen into the binge wormhole sometimes. No, I'm all caught up. I'm all I'm right back. Yeah, but yeah, there was a few times. Usually it was a Shakar or a uh, Burial episode that stopped me dead in my tracks. <laughs> but we'll be recording, and you're like, yeah, I'm eight episodes ahead of us now. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Bill, slow down. <laughs> Running speed! <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I definitely, like I said, I enjoyed watching it. I wish it had been another five or six hours long. That's, that's all I could say. Uh, I, you know, it was it was definitely worthwhile and fun to see, and I would recommend it to anybody who loves the show. And by that, I mean DS9, not our show. You know, I was just thinking, uh, if they were to make Season 8 and follow the storyline they've laid out, pretty much Voyage is the only ship that hasn't gotten blown up now. Well, was was it the, well, uh, it was Defiant, that was, the was it they, Defiant that blew up, or it was just a starship? I didn't think it was the Defiant. Oh, I thought it was the Defiant. Well, oh, no, I could be no, wrong. he lost the Defiant in one of the Star Trek movies, I believe. Or wait, or was it Toad? No, it was Toad. It was Toad. It was, it was, it you're was talking Toad. about in First yeah, Contact. That's a tough little ship. It wasn't destroyed. Right. Mm. It's when, when Riker calls it a tough little ship, and, and Worf is like, little. little. And it is little, compared to a Galaxy-class starship. That's and 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 then Worf said, "Ask Deanna about little." <laughs> look at a mirror. Look at, look at a mirror, human. <laughs> or should I say, Ensign Riker? Bum chicka bum bum. Okay, so do we want to rate the uh, documentary? Five bluebeards. See, the bluebeard was so disconcerting to me. I just, I don't, I didn't get it. I have no idea why anybody would go for that look. Because he wants to be a pirate. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I can go with. Uh, I'm going to say four and a half blue beards only because I wanted more. I wanted them to go even deeper than they did. But you know, I, I think I think they probably did what they did it the way they did for as much commercial ability as they were going to get out of it. Uh, but I wanted something more made for us, so I'm going to do four and a half instead of five. Andy, Dave. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go five. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really nice to see them all together again. Uh, and if we do get an extended cut somewhere on the line, I'll give that five as well. I give it four and a half simply because I wanted more. I wasn't <laughs> satisfied. 
Yeah, it's it's certainly not that the whatever it is hour and a half that we got was not satisfying. It's just I felt like they could have gone further. I think they could have done, they could have easily, you know, very easily made it two hours had it be just as marketable as it is and kind of hit on some other things that we would have been interested in. But alas, that was not to be. Uh, anyway, that'll be it for our coverage of what we left behind, which we are all recommending that you check out. In the meanwhile, kapla. Kapla. <laughs> Goodbye. Kapla. Listen to the prophets at Deep Space Nine podcast is a two true freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you'd like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the twotruefreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. Sounds like you were waiting for me to ask Andy for a next time. Exactly. That's what I did in my head and went, oh yeah, that's right, we don't really have it. So Well uh, I can't I can't do it next time because I don't know when Dave's gonna drop this into the schedule. <laughs>